We're on, Mike Altamura. You are looking very, very sharp in that overcoat of yours. I've got to. I'm just trying to keep warm. It's freezing in this town at the moment. Listen, Mike. Mike Altamura, MJA Platinum CEO and MTK Global International Consultant. I just want to know something about that jacket, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Is it cashmere? Good question. I think it's like 50% cashmere. Okay, okay. Yeah. It's, still, it's still cashmere. Jack it's London got style, though. Jack it's, London. It's Shout point. out to Jack London there, Mike. Now, listen, did you have some, with, with a jacket like that, did you have some money on Ruiz yesterday? That's what I want to ask, Mike. No, no. I'm probably the only person in world boxing that isn't claiming to have bet on Ruiz on the weekend. I'm actually shattered for Anthony Joshua. You know, I've, I've met both guys. Like I'd seen Ruiz fight. A bunch of times in Macau and on top rank shows around the world and he's a very nice fella but I got to know Anthony Joshua really well when I was in Sheffield last year with um, MTK scout Thomas Stalker because Tom was the Olympic team captain and roommates with Joshua mm-hmm. and I found him to be a real gentleman so I was shattered over the loss yesterday shattered have we overestimated Anthony Joshua um, I, I don't think so it's heavyweight boxing. You know, one punch can change it. I think a lot of people underestimated Andy Ruiz, on the contrary. Like, if you look at his CV, 33 fights, only defeat was a contentious decision to Joseph Parker that a lot of people thought he won. So he's an elite heavyweight. You know, regardless of what the outer appearance is, he's a tremendous fighter. And I think that it was a tough upgrade to go from Jarrell Miller, who's like a, a big, hulking heavyweight, who and who um, Anthony Joshua needed to use more size to physically try and match and push around against a guy in Ruiz who, although he's heavier, has actually got really fast hands and it probably would have served Joshua to be a little bit lighter against him. So it was a big change-up. And first fight overseas as well as a professional. So that's also something to keep in mind. But no, I don't think, I don't think he's overrated. I think he's a terrific fighter. He just he got caught going in for the kill. Is it the matchmaker's fault then, whoever match made this well, last, it's, it's, last minute addition? It's always easy, you know. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm. It's always easy to be critical of matchmakers. When you're fighting at the elite level, you've you got to understand, and you, you talk about this all the time, Sammy, that, you know, with the heavyweight division, you, you obviously you had Anthony Joshua, you had Deontay Wilder, the WBC champ, you had our man, MTK's Tyson Fury, the lineal heavyweight world champion, so it's fractured as it is. So even when you have like a Jarrell Miller pull out of a fight or something, you can't replace that with the safest option. There's got to be some element of danger in order to carry and sell the fight to, to sell the pay-per-view around the world. So it, it was the right kind of opponent. Just, you know, Ruiz really lifted his game on the night. And like I said, Joshua just got a little careless. But it's heavyweight boxing. And that's, that's the beauty of the sport, that you can never sleep on anyone. Selling the fight, is that why Ruiz is calling himself a Mexican? Born and bred in the USA. Does that, is that a reason well, he why? Well, was, he was on the Mexican Olympic team. Okay. So he's always been very strong with his roots. And, you know, being, being from Southern California, it is, you know, very, very heavy Mexican population. So is, is part of it perhaps marketing? Maybe. But I, I won't doubt at all that he's a very, very proud athlete of Mexican heritage. He's he's the man right now. You know he he changed he changed the course of his life for one night. And as much as people will look at that fight and think 
you know, that he, he was getting a $7 million purse, so he had changed his life regardless. Now from $7 million, he's hitting a whole different tax bracket again. And it, it's great to see. Uh, uh, the, the one thing that I was really happy for on Andy's side was his coach, Manny Robles. You know, last year I was on the opposite side of Manny Robles in a world title fight. So we had Isaac Dogbe against Jesse Magdaleno. And Manny was Magdaleno's coach. And uh, in, in the defeat of that fight, a lot of people tried to side it on Manny. You know, he had the fallout then with working with Oscar Valdez and obviously no longer training Mick Conlon. So a lot of people had kind of ridden off Manny Robles as a trainer. And now he comes back and pulls off one of the biggest shocks in world boxing. It's incredible to see. And it's good to see that his family is going to be secure moving forward as well. Does he go from Mexican residence to Mon Monaco residence, Mike, if he's pulling in more than seven mil for the next one, that tax bracket, as soon as you say tax M Monaco bracket. or Dubai, I'd recommend either. <laughs> <laughs> What's it, What are the other ones? Uruguay I've heard as well. What other tax implications for a fighter or a, a professional athlete when we're talking about these residences in Bermuda? Oh, well, the tax implications, well, we're just trying to find the way out of paying excessive tax, I suppose. I, I definitely, I highly recommend it <laughs> to any athlete earning more than about three to four million. I highly recommend it. He's got a rematch clause. So obviously it's going that, by the sounds, it's going to happen in the UK. Yeah, it looks like it'll probably be Wembley Stadium towards mm -hmm. the end of the year. But it's it's still early days. I mean, you've got to give Joshua a little bit of time just to assess, to regather himself and see what his next move going forward is going to be too. I know that Hearn, from a promotional perspective, that just makes a fight with Joshua in the UK so much more sellable. You know, previous, if you had announced that you're going to do Joshua and Ruiz, it's a hard sell. But now the, the rematch is going to have everyone's interest in world boxing, so or in world sport, I should say. So it's a very, very sellable fight. I think Joshua, the competitor that he is, will be hungry for it. And, of course, Ruiz, he, he deserves to get paid. So you're saying Joshua's loss is good for Eddie and a Wembley rematch? Oh, it's definitely not good for Eddie. He was, he was devastated. You know, he, he, was, he was super devastated. You could see it in all the post-fight interviews. He couldn't even mask it. But... It gives him something to sell moving forward. And in this in this industry, it's about adapting. So, you know, you got to gather your marbles, so to speak, and, you know, start plotting the next course of action. So the next course of action is the return, the comeback and the rise again of Anthony Joshua. And that's very, very redeeming in itself. 80,000 plus again at Wembley Stadium for the rematch. Oh, it would, it would have to be if they can maybe if they can add more seats, it might be ninety thousand plus. How about the rubber match? The, ru it the third one, Mike. The it, third it, one. It depends. Look, there's been plenty of rematches in boxing history that didn't need a rubber match. Mm. You know, a case in point, like in in recent history, when Lennox Lewis iced Hasim Rachman in the rematch, it was so conclusive, it didn't need a rubber match. So I know, like, it, we're in an era where. People get excited for rematches, trilogies. Uh, what's what's the four quadrilogies? Is that what it's called? Uh, you know, look it up. people get excited for that kind of action. But I think that if Joshua were to win conclusively in a rematch, then people would want to see him move on to other challenges. And and likewise with Ruiz, if Ruiz beat him, I think people want to see him move on to other challenges too. Let's say it was. Does Ruiz go into the second bout? with a clause to have a rubber match regardless does he does he have that power 
I'm not too sure what the structure of the mm. options are. Mm. I would imagine that it would just be a rematch clause and then there might be like a first right of refusal if he wins the rematch, something like that, you know, to negotiate the next fight. But ordinarily when you're negotiating these kind of things, it's just it's just one fight, which is the return. You mentioned Big Baby Miller. He yep. was supposed to be Joshua's opponent. The last minute change with the five-week preparation, is that something that may have uh, cost Joshua the lack of preparation it's, it's towards very, his new opponent? It's very, very hard to adjust. Yep. Very, very hard. And and it's a, it's, it's a big adjustment because he's preparing for a guy that is on a similar eye level to him and is 305 pounds but is more of an infighting kind of style someone that he'd have to counterpunch and and box and pick off at range and create his openings and his spots against someone like Ruiz who's very clever even though he's small he's a very very smart switched on counterpuncher and he's terrific at, at mid range very very fast hands you know Jarrell Miller has heavy hands and physically strong but he doesn't have that mix of hand speed and physical presence and what what Ruiz brought to the table was something that Joshua hadn't encountered yet as a professional, which is someone with very fast hands that knows how to punch with an opponent. So it it was a big change up, you know. I mean, great fighters are made on their ability to adapt and adjust. But I do think that Joshua come in a little heavier in the fight because he was expecting to be prepared for Miller. Would you be prepared to have predicted if baby Miller fought Joshua, well, he would have been handled yeah, I, I think Joshua would have handled him comfortably. I, I've always rated Andy Ruiz uh, a couple tiers above guys like Jarrell Miller. And Jarrell Miller, you know, outside of blowing hot, obviously, is a a very seasoned campaigner now. You know, he's earned these stripes in terms of some of the victories he's had and beat kind of a lot of the fringe contender type fighters. But he hasn't fought at, say, the level that Ruiz had where... Like I said, Ruiz was very unfortunate not to be the beneficiary of the WBO world title when he fought Parker, whereas Miller's never fought anyone at that level. So, yeah, I would be confident to go on record and say that Joshua would have beaten Miller. You know, it's it's incredible. Like the last 24 hours, I'm reading all these things online. People calling Joshua a hoax and saying he was overrated and that he could never fight much. And, you know, this old muscle doesn't go to the chin and things like that and I, th I think it's totally out of line and it's disrespectful to what Andy Ruiz accomplished as well one last one on Ruiz for the rematch does he come in looking he's going to have a lot of time to prepare okay so does he come in looking more like Joshua or does he come in looking like Buster Douglas the second time he fought Tyson neither extra kgs neither neither a Andy's pretty consistent he consistently looks out of condition, but he's not. You know, he's, he'll consistently float in that 250 to 270 pounds, but he's, he's an exceptionally well-conditioned athlete in terms of going rounds, of being able to measure his punches. And he's a kind of guy that... I, I used to joke with this with um, former heavyweight contender Chauncey Welliver. Chauncey had got to number four in the world, and he's a very dear friend of mine. Chauncey used to, and Chauncey's like my height, like 6'2", used to walk around at like 260, 270 pounds at his peak. And he was training to get to like 220, 225. And he reckons that when he got down to that shape, the little power that he had started to evaporate and his ability to wear punches <laughs> completely disintegrated.
So I'm not sold on, you know, if, if Andy Ruiz was to get in svelte shape, say 220, 230, it might actually work against him. Mm. He might not absorb punches how he can absorb them now. And his hand speed is still on point. So it wouldn't necessarily improve his hand speed. So yeah, I, I expect, long story short, I expect Andy to look the same. You know, obviously it, it shocks a lot of people when they think of the heavyweight champ of the world being in that kind of condition. But as the old saying goes, never judge a book by its cover. So with your dietitian hat on, just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> keep going to Krispy Kreme. Keep eating them cheeseburgers. Whatever you're doing, it's it's working, son. In but, and out, maybe. Yeah, it, it, oh, man, in in and out. Yeah, that, Burgers. You, you leave me in the States long enough and I'll be well past Ruiz's weight going in and out every day. Now, speaking of another heavyweight that is in pretty good nick too, not that heavy for a heavyweight, that Deontay Wilder, is he kicking himself? Was there an offer on the table to fight Joshua? Depends, it depends on who you believe. Mm. I think on both sides. I think that there was a lot of jockeying for position. And I think that both sides were trying to get the deck stacked in their favor. And, you know, sometimes when it comes to the biggest fights and the biggest prize in all the sports, there needs to be a greater risk taken by both sides. I think that it's it's a shame in the respect that there would have been so much hype and so much build-up going into that fight. Whereas now, even if even if Joshua vanquishes Ruiz in a rematch, I don't know if necessarily it would have the same luster. You know, and we, we've seen this happen time and again through boxing history. It'll still be able to sell, but yeah, I, I think that I think that both sides, to a degree, will be kicking themselves because there's more that they could have done to make it happen. So, and if Joshua went into that undefeated and he fought Wilder, could you give us a rough idea on what you think financially the whole the whole fight would have been worth? Probably it's it's a hard one to estimate because you don't know what it's going to draw, how much interest it's going to draw on the open market. But I would say probably probably safe to say in the three to five hundred million dollar bracket, which is just incredible money, you know. And they probably get a say a forty percent split each on that kind of revenue. The rest goes to the promoters. So that's monstrous. With Joshua having lost yesterday, what the, what does that bring down? Does it the same value? Where where is it now? Well, now Joshua has to has to beat Ruiz yep. one step conclusively in yep. order to get back in that position. Otherwise, there's you know to a higher degree so much more interest in the Fury Wilder rematch. So I think that's where people's attention is going to go. I don't think people's attention is necessarily going to go to Ruiz versus Fury or Wilder or anything like that. I think it's going to go to the demand for Wilder versus Fury part two. All right, now you mentioned your man Fury, MTK's very own Fury. How's he involved with MTK? Well, we're his chief advisor. Mm -hmm. It's been a very, very good working relationship. So it's been since the, the comeback post the Klitschko fight. And it's culminated in recently brokering the deal stateside. So he's fighting under the top rank umbrella. So the first state's just coming up in a few weeks against Tom Swartz. And like I said before, you can't sleep on anyone in the heavyweight division. But I know that Tyson's preparing very well. He he took hardly no break out of the fight with Wilder. He was basically out of the gym maybe three, four days and then was back to it. So his condition has improved yet again going into this fight. And I'm expecting to see a vintage boxing display against Swartz. 
And if he gets past that, Deontay Wilder gets past that, you're thinking that Deontay Wilder Fury would be the next logical. Yeah, I would say I would say Wilder gets past Swartz, he'll have another fight towards the end of the year. Uh, not sorry, Wilder Fury. So the the whole tactic with the Gypsy King essentially is to keep building his profile on ESPN. So you know, appearing on shows like First Take on Sports Center to elevate his profile, get American fight fans invested in his journey, so that when the fight with Wilder or whoever it may be that's heavyweight kingpin in regards to the belts next year comes, then he's in a better position to negotiate because the interest is going to be heightened in his career. So what MTK have to do is try to get the Gypsy King out of his shell, Mike. He's very shy, retiring <laughs> gentleman. <laughs> Anything but shy, I think Tyson is. You know, but we'll, we'll try. We'll try. I mean, you know, maybe he might have a few words. <laughs> there was one theory or conspiracy theory, Mike, and I know you like your conspiracy theories because you love your uh, sports entertainment as well. Of course. Uh, regarding the Joshua fight. He may have been seen dining in New York the night before the fight with some colorful Italians, Mike. Joshua was? Yes. What did they tell him? Well. Did they say they could have been a contender? <laughs> <laughs> have you heard that one? I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't heard that one, but, you know, it's very easy to be dining with colorful Italians in New York, I can tell you that. You just stroll down to Little Italy for some cannoli, and they're here, there, and everywhere. It's so, a tremendous town. Because he took a lot of time leaving his dressing room. Yeah, yeah. He, he delayed that. Yeah, he did. He Was did. He, maybe these Italians weren't showing him a video of JFK. <laughs> <laughs> Is that is that where the conspiracy lies? That's, I don't know. Joshua's dad was very animated towards Eddie Hearn after the bout, Mike. Do you know anything about that? You're friends with Eddie. No, I'm I'm friends with Eddie, but uh, no. Please fill me in. I don't know. I'm asking you. You know, why why would Joshua's dad be animated towards Eddie? I'm not too sure. What what did he say? Or is there any word on what he was, what he said to Eddie? I just saw. Uh, I just saw video. That's all I saw. All right. So what what was interacted in the video? You're educating me here, Sammy. I can't. Uh, I can't read lips either, Mike. So I'm hoping. <laughs> <you know. laughs> who was it? Who was it that they said knew how to read lips? It was in a. It was in Australian media recently. I'm, I'm drawing a blank, but well, we need to bring in a world class lip reader. Then I, I can't comment on anything like that. All, all I can say is that I think uh, Eddie. Outside of Anthony Joshua, I don't think there's a man more devastated with the outcome yesterday than Eddie Hearn. And, you know, for, for the record, I know a lot of people followed the journey online and have seen that Eddie Hearn ducked fighting me for 20,000 pounds, charity mm. challenge. Yes, yourself, yes. Because uh, Eddie don't want to be unsteady. Uh, but I'll say this, in all our negotiations and all our dealing, he's been a gentleman and Probably the most well-oiled machine in world boxing is dealing with his team, both in in the United States and in the UK. They treat you exceptionally well, you know, from the smallest person in the organization to Eddie himself. So it's always a pleasure doing business with him, and he's great for the sport. He brings great energy and passion. So tell me, does the Joshua loss wake up promoters, and you've been a promoter and a manager, and you are a manager of fighters, yep, yep. up to the dangers of marinating particular matchups, Mike. And you know what I'm talking about? Definitely. So does Definitely. It... The, the only time you should really let something marinate, if you're like in a promoter or, or management position, is if you're... Is, there's two, two 
if you know that your guy needs more seasoning, so that's a part of the marinating, right? If your guy needs more seasoning to either, you know, see different styles, to build his experience, to build his exposure so that you place him in a better position, or if you really don't like the fight and you know that it's basically the last opportunity of really getting him paid, you know, so you think you'll drag it out a few more paydays and then place him in that one as maybe a retirement package or something like that. But otherwise, I'm all for the best fighting the best as soon as possible. They've got to be paid, obviously. But in this situation, they could have been paid. So you've never been guilty of marinating a couple of... Uh... I've been guilty of everything, of marinating, <laughs> of basting, of overbaking, of underspicing, of everything. You know, But you, you learn from your mistakes, right? So the brush you're using, is it a plastic <laughs> brush that actually... Uh... Takes on the uh, the oils and whatever the, uh, comes in the barbecue <laughs> kit at Bunnings. Look into that crystal ball. Last one on the heavyweights. Let's. How far ahead do we have to look into the crystal ball? What year two? Tyson Fury gonna prove himself to be the top heavyweight in the world. And I don't just say that because he's with MTK. I think he's the one heavyweight that has that style to deactivate everybody. He can he can outbox Anthony Joshua. He's already demonstrated once he can outbox Deontay Wilder. He can sharpshoot Andy Ruiz, and he's not going to stand at that mid-range, which Ruiz likes. And he's got the size and the ring smarts to deactivate everybody. It showed in round 12 against Wilder that he can be caught. And, you know, if he got caught with a shot like that, a couple times in a fight, maybe it takes him out. Maybe he rises from the dead like The Undertaker twice. I'm not sure. You enjoyed that Undertaker reference, Oh, it was brilliant. Yes. <laughs> it was fitting too. But I think that if you look at it realistically, he's the one that looks like he's got the style to beat all the others. Okay, that's the heavyweight division taken care of. Now the world scene for your stable. Do you still have a stable of talent or have you signed them off? I still got, I still got a stable of talent. You know, I haven't been actively looking to sign too many fighters recently. I've had a, you know quite a few people approach and that looking to work together, but I'm more just trying to take on elite talent or fighters that I can position just because of the time issue. You know, I've been more focused on dealing with the elite fighters we've got in the camp and then also building my own company and my role within MTK, which I think is a lot more effective if i got more time available just to kind of help overlook operations and offer a bit of direction and knowledge. So in regards to yours, uh, the last, say, six months, has it been the busiest that you've ever been? No, no, no. no. It's been very busy, yep. but uh, 2018 was off the chain. Yep. I think uh, I've detailed to you a couple of times. I did 111 flights last year in like 26 countries, and that's a record I hope I never hit again because I was totally depleted and out on my feet by the time it hit Christmas. And needed a rest. So I've been trying to be a little smarter in how I structure everything this year and, and delegate as much as possible and just really enjoy my time in the sport. You know, so I've had, I've had a good few weeks. I've had about almost two weeks now at home. I'm off again in a few days to Thailand for a business meeting. So, you know, we're trying, I'm trying to build some operations in Asia for the company. I'm just really enjoying the sport at the moment. You know, we had a great win a few weeks ago with Maruti Matalani, the IBF flyweight world champion in Japan. And it was great, again, to be at the historic Korokuen Hall and to be with a fighter who really appreciates and respects all the team around him 
You know, to see a gentleman like that at 36 years of age finally getting his due in the sport is what warms my heart and what inspires me to keep going as well. So what have you um, got coming up? Yeah, so at, at the moment, just getting a lot of the guys scheduled moving forward. Uh, Nathaniel Mays having a fight in about a week and a half in Mexico, just a tune-up, and then he's fighting July 12th. ESPN main event in Liverpool against Jazza Dickens. It's an IBF European title, so it's at featherweight. So that's a very big fight for Nathaniel. It's his, it's his biggest step-up fight since the death of his coach, Peter Stokes. You know, So I know he's going to be very, very motivated to put on a great show. So we've got that coming up. We're working on a unification for Maruti at the moment. So potentially him and Charlie Edwards, who's also with MTK, down the line we're working on that. Uh, Rowan Murdoch coming up next month. He's currently ranked number six in the world, WBO super middleweight. So there's some big opportunities for him around the corner too. And just with the rest of the state, we're just keeping him busy. You know, on the on the MTK side, we've got so many guys out every week that it's impossible to even name every one of them. But some of the guys that I'd recommend, you know, p- people know all our high-profile guys. People know the say, the, the, the Liam Smiths of the world, the Billy Joe Saunders, the Tyson Furies, the Cole Framptons. But what, what I want to create awareness to is some of the young up-and-comers. We've got uh, Jacob Robinson, son of uh, former featherweight world champ Steve Robinson. He's one to look out for. He's a very, very crafty little fighter, Southpaw. We've got uh, Gary Cully. He's a massive six-foot lightweight, real good prospect to look out for. Uh, Sultan Zorbek and Nurtas Asbanov from Kazakhstan. Both, quite both, impressive. Yeah, very. both brick-throwing guys. Uh, then we've got Zoyrov, Shakobdin Zoyrov, the Olympic gold medalist at Bantamweight coming through, and Sean McComb from Ireland. He's another southpaw. Most of our guys coming through are southpaws. Nightmares to fight, but McComb's fighting at lightweight as well. So we've got a really, really good stable coming through. And also we've got Mohammed Wasim from Pakistan. He's the highest-rated fighter in the world from Pakistan, former world title challenger. He's fighting again on June 21. So that's another one to look out for too. Now, one of your boys uh, is on that, what they call a four-fight plan. Tim Zhu won the Australian title a couple of weeks ago. And there yep. was always, there was talk about a four-fight plan, more so from the promoter because he's doing his job. He's uh, setting out the path. Joel Camilleri was the, the, fight, the fight that was for the Australian title. Then there was Dwight Ritchie, your man. Well, if he's part of the plan, ain't nobody called me. No one's called you yet? No. They, they like to call my guys out in the media, but they can come and present with the right offer. You know, they, they tried Matt Rose, who's the promoter of Tim. So I don't, I don't speak for Tim's team or anything because I would assume the, the kid really wants to fight and his management would, Glenn Jennings and them. You know, they seem pretty straight up. Matt sent me a, a disgraceful offer via text. It was a lowball offer and... Before shutting it down, I made a couple of calls to find out why. And I was I was given the insight that it was a throwaway offer he was trying to send so that I would just dismiss it. And then he could go back and tell him I turned down the fight. So I just called him up and asked him if he could please send me a real offer. And I'm still waiting for it. So uh, we're, we're waiting. We're ready. Uh, Dwight's in condition. He's happy to test himself against Tim. We think Tim's a a terrific fighter and we think that it'll be a great fight for Australian boxing. So hopefully we can make the deal work and, and make it happen. It, it's not one that needs to, what's your word, Sam? Marinate. It's not one that needs to marinate or be basted 
or cooked or anything. You know, it's ready to go. Because Zarafa was also on that four list, four fight list, and also Jeff Horn ultimately because he did call him out after the fight. Yep, yep. Your thoughts on him on uh, Tim calling Jeff Horn out straight after the fight? Well, it's a it's a big name to call out. Uh, boxing's all about positioning. So Tim, you, you take away his surname. He's done nothing to earn the likes of a shot against somebody like Jeff Horn. So he's got to incrementally build his way there. So I, I have no problem with them putting out their four-fight plan because it's about testing themselves and earning those opportunities. But it would be premature for him or, or really anybody in Australia to be calling for the name of Jeff Horn. You know, I think that Jeff Horn has earned these stripes on the international stage. There's talk that Zara, Michael Zarafa was going to fight Jeff Horn. Is that a rumor, Mike? Can you confirm uh, or deny anything? I'm not anything? sure. I've, I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that, but uh, nothing beyond that. I heard maybe it was going to be in, in country Victoria. That's what I was hearing. But I haven't heard anything beyond that in like the last couple of weeks, so I'm not sure. Country Victoria as in Zarafa versus Jeff Horn in country Victoria, where like in Bendigo or something like that? So, yeah, where? bingo. That's really? a, That's the one I heard, yeah. And where were they going to put? Where would they've um, held this? I'm not too sure. Were they holding something? like I'm this? not too sure. That's that's what was going around. But yeah, I'm not too sure. I would assume that there would have to be some local government involvement in order to make it feasible. But it's kind of the trail's gone quiet, so I'm not sure if they're trying to line it up or they're reconsidering or, or what's happening in that respect at the moment. So um, I kind of I, I live in my own bubble when it comes to. A lot of the sport, especially in this country, you know, just kind of, I, I try and stay in my own lane and focus more on just the the fighters I'm working on, I'm working with. Because it's your job to try and drum it up, Mike. Not anymore. No, no. If I was in your position, yeah, sitting sitting on this side of the mic, no. <laughs> we want to see the fights. I mean, it was, it was exciting. Tim come out, fought Joel. You know, it was a good fight. Yeah. Yep. yep. The odds were a bit crazy, favoring one over the other. Yeah, look, Joel's Joel's a very good fighter. Mm. He's probably he's probably better suited at welterweight, but he's a he's a very smart and savvy fighter, and he can counter punch and and can punch with that right hand. So it was a good little step up for Tim Zhu, and I thought that Tim Zhu handled it very well. He boxed very smart. I know I know people were hard on him. A lot of people, I I don't know. Again, maybe the surname they expected more, but Joel's very very cagey. He's never been stopped for a reason. So where's Joel go next? I think thought? to welterweight. Yep. Yeah, I think to welterweight. I think he's he's still got a future in the sport, but get himself to welterweight, um, work and make some adjustments, work on work on things that he needs to improve, and just go from there. Another one of your prodigies, Paul Showtime Fleming, one of my favourite monikers in the fight game. Thank you. I, I gave him that name. He used to be called Two Guns. Come on, Paul. You know, that two guns. I, w I was like, two guns just sounds like a thug from the Sunshine <laughs> Coast. So I talked him into rolling with show with Showtime and it kind of stuck. What's happening with Paul? You tell me. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get him back into rhythm with training. Uh, I'm sure that there'll be opportunities out there for him. He's, he's a brilliant fighter and brilliant tech, technician. He's still fully intact. Just a matter of getting some routine with his training again. And then being able to roll the dice at the highest level. You know, he's hungry for all the top challenges. You know, he spoke to him after the WBO world title fight the other day. You know, Jamel Herring 
defeated Ito and straight away he was saying to me, get me a shot against this guy. I want to go. It might take one, two fights to position him, probably just a one but a step-up fight. But I can I can see sometimes why he, he might have trouble getting motivated and getting up to take that fight in between. But it's maybe what we need in order to really earn our opportunity at the highest level. But it would be great to finally see him get there. You know, I've represented him for 11 years now. It's been a... It's been a long 11 years, you know. He's an incredible kid, just a beautiful person outside the ropes. But it'll be great to see him accomplish and reach his potential inside of him. He's got plenty of kids to feed, hasn't he? What's he got? Four, Three, four now. Four? God love it's him. Next, he's next level. Yes. I've seen it I've seen it all blossom. And, and the one thing I can say with him, he's a great father. You know, he really is a, a caring father and takes brilliant care of his kids with his wife. You have to factor that into his purse. Four kids, each kid. Oh dear, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you understand it, the cost of it makes, kids? It Mike? makes you feel bad to take your percentage as a single man, <laughs> Mike. Unless you've got some kids floating around. No, you? no, no, no. I'm one of the responsible ones in this sport. Uh, so with four kids, Mikey, uh, I have I have trouble feeding myself, Sam. <laughs> I have trouble affording the the coffees around the world. So, yeah. especially Melbourne. I, I can only imagine, you know, the the challenges that he faces at times. So. Sometimes maybe I've got to cut him a little bit of slack too. Now, Mike, um, mjaplatinum.com. That's the one. If everyone wants to follow what you're up to, what what, are, what can they find? Well, the, the good part about the website is that for all of our fighters, all the fighters I'm working with, we've got regular news stories, regular feature stories taken over. We've got a video wall. It's a little bit of details about the company history and everything, but... All, all those kind of things don't really change. But the good part is we've got an interactive video wall, news features, which are updated probably three to four times a week, and a lot of unique features. So we've got um, Anthony Cox, one of Australia's most well-known boxing journalists, creating the bulk of the content. So to have Coxie on board working in that capacity is fantastic, and I feel real asset to the company as well. So that's what to look out for on there. We've got... Recently, we launched a 15-round series, and it's not just with our fighters. So, yeah, we had one come out with Dwight Ritchie, one with Camille Bala, Rowan Murdoch, but we've also just put two out on the Maloney brothers too, who are two exceptional talents and very, very nice kids as well. And that's the one thing that I encourage Coxie to do is that I want to profile all Australian fighters on the wall, not just fighters that are with our company. So you're not favoring anyone in particular just because they're not under your banner? I'll, fa I'll, I'll favor the guys I like. Of if, course. If someone, if someone burnt me in the past, they ain't going to get no love on the website. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I told him just to run it, run it independently like that. You know, that it doesn't just need to be our athletes profiled there. I think that, you know, if you can do that, then you're going to draw more engagement from your general boxing fans anyways. So if someone has burnt you in the past, Mike, is there any way where they can, you know, ask for forgiveness? Is there any actions they can... Um, good question. It depends on the degree. You what? know, they say burns come in degrees, <laughs> right? The, depends on if if they crisp me to the point I ended up in a hospital ward. Probably not. Uh, if probably it's just third like degree, right? Third yeah, degree. if it's a minor burn, right, if they so drop like a green tea on my hand or something, and it's just like a minor, yep. minor mark. Yeah, maybe so. Mm. Maybe you know they they bring me some biscuits or something, or forgive them, but. It, it, it really depends. I'm, I'm trying to, 
uh, I'm writing a piece at the moment, and one of the lines that I've got in in, in the story is, you know, that sometimes you, you've got to be hardened but soft. So you've got to have contrition and forgiveness for your for your fellow man too. So I suppose part of that is practicing what I preach. But generally, like if, if someone's if someone's burnt me in business, I can I can forgive them. But it's very, very hard to look at them in the face on a personal level and want to retain them in my life. Mm. You know, I think that it's just like, because my mentality in life is always that if I'm with you, I'm going to give you every part of my heart and soul. So if I feel like you've trampled on that, it's very, very hard to be authentic and keep giving of myself. So it's a tricky one. It's a work in progress. They, they, they do say that you're always evolving as a human. Sounds like you just want payment up front for these people. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 Sammy, nothing. No payment, nothing. You're, you're a gentleman. Credit. Any, anything. You know, I get 30 days credit, Mike. 30 days. Uh, any, anything you need is always good. <laughs> you, you, you've, you've been. I should have started 120 days, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pushing the friendship. You, you, you've, been, you've been a great supporter of mine for. For many years and a good friend. So whatever whatever you need, I'm always at your disposal. Oh, very nice, very nice. Now listen, your sports entertainment hat on professional wrestling. You are also promoting yes, the showdown, showdown wrestling aftershock. Yep. Saturday, thirteenth yep. of July. Still at the Italian Sports Club in Werribee? Yeah, that's yes. correct. Yeah, second event. Yeah. Yep. So looking forward to hopefully jamming in an even bigger crowd this time around. Did around 220 people last show, which is decent for Australian professional wrestling standards. Now, we know with Australian professional wrestling or wrestling altogether, there's always that percentage of uh, numbers that have inflated, Mike, is 220. That's that's pretty solid. <laughs> that's that's pretty solid. So if it was inflated, I'll tell you like 350. Yeah, okay, got that. <laughs> yeah, we get maybe 600, you know. <laughs> was it at Werribee last time? Yeah, yeah. Yep. It was a great night, so I'm looking forward to more of the same. I actually don't know if I'm going to be in the country at that event, so uh, that's minus one you can take off the attendance. Who are you leaving, <laughs> who are you leaving it to? Uh, well, I've got Ben Gilbert yep. running operations and also our partner in the company, uh, Muhammad Vayez, Muhammad Ali Vayez, so American wrestler, a great talent and very, very sharp operator in the industry, so... I'm happy to delegate it to them, you know, to hold the fort down. But I'm still figuring out if I'm going to be here. But more than likely, I'll be in the UK with Nathaniel May. From my one more on this one, on the professional sports entertainment side of things, and my limited experience in there, do you, are you getting are you drawing talent from other companies, and is that causing an issue, or are these guys contractors? What happens with your I, most of them? Promotion? Most of them are independent contractors. Sometimes people might have loyalty, not necessarily to a company, but maybe to their storyline within a company. So if you have kind of a different concept of how you want to utilize them or something of that nature, they're not so open to it. But uh, overall, our experiences have been pretty good. I do leave it to, I leave it to Ben and Ali to book the talent and I just kind of overlook the overall operation. So I'm probably working the easier role. It's kind of... It's easier to source financing and build sponsors and things like that than it is to be interacting and dealing with the talent on a day-to-day -day basis. So I've kind of got that little bit of separation from the talent. So it's going to be a big show. And where can people get tickets from? 
They can get it from outtext.com. And also, if you look up Showdown Wrestling on Facebook or on Twitter, there's links direct to the Outtext website. So you can book them specifically from there. And we've got a special, which is you buy one adult ticket, which is only 20 bucks, and you get a children's ticket three. So it's it's not too bad if you say wanted to bring a family of four, it only costs you 40 bucks. Oh, very generous of you, Mike. Uh, we try. We try. <laughs> Now, can I, uh, just quickly going back, the UFC, I'm hearing things that they're getting into boxing. Do you know anything about this, Mike? Yeah, Zufa boxing. Yes. It's going to it's gonna be very, very tricky. Dante, uh, Dante, Dana White is not going to want to play small. So if he's going to get involved, he's going to want to sign a major talent. And it's one of those points in boxing history right now that with the zone – with ESPN, with some uh, the PBC and Fox still, there's a lot of money floating around at the elite level. So you're not going to just march in and sign world champions or anyone of any kind of level or drawing power on the cheap. So I think that that's the kind of challenges that Dana White's going to be feeling at the moment. But I could see eventually them buying in. I think it's very, very realistic. And, and here's, here's an interesting one. There's rumor that Al Heyman has been floating selling the PBC to William Morris Endeavor, which, as you know, is the owner of Zufa. Right. So, if they were to buy, if if they were to buy either even just into the PBC, then maybe that could be the way that Zufa Boxing launches. But I definitely think it's one to be on the radar and. Dana, if you're somehow listening, you're welcome to call me anytime. You know, MTK is no problem with you. We're happy to do business with you like we do everybody else. Always an open book, ready to speak, unless they burnt you, Mike. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Dana, Dana ain't burnt me yet. So, and 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 I got to say, even you know, like some of the people that have dealt with in the elite level of boxing, that people are like, oh, don't deal with him. It's going to be tragic. Oh. Like a Don King. Don mm. King never burnt me. Don King was always a gentleman in our dealing. So that's what I've got to go off in operating with him. You know, I hear so many people say, oh, Don did this, Don did that. I can only go off of my experiences with him, which is that he's a character. He's mad as a cut snake, but he's always straight up in dealing with me. That's Dana. Don. 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 Well, seeing that you mentioned Don King, uh, you must tell us a couple of Don King stories. I was just about to sign off. This is quite <laughs> exciting. I can. I'll tell you the last time that that Don called me. Yeah, go on. this is this is a funny one. So I, I had a Venezuelan fighter with Don, and so Don would occasionally just call me up about you know whatever other Venezuelan fighters, Australians, whatever. So I get a call. It's like three a.m. Melbourne time. And I see Don King ring. And it's like, fuck, if you're, if you're in bed and, and Don King rings you, you're answering the phone. Mm. You know, you don't know if it's going to be his last phone call, whatever. He's a legend of the sport. So I answer it. I go, hey, Don, how you going? He's like, Mikey Otamura. <laughs> Let me tell you, Jeff Fennick, Chavez. Uh, who else is there? Fulio Bell. So Fulio Bell, Fulgencio Abelmijas. Yeah. Venezuelan fighter of the past. Uh, what what do you say then? Lionel Rose, kangaroos, my <laughs> man, how are you? Went on a rant for about five minutes after that with references blending Australia, Jeff Fennick again, Venezuelan fighters, 
Venezuelan presidents and then just hung up. And I tried to call him back and <laughs> he didn't answer. So then I called his assistant and I said to her, and, and ironically her name was Dana as well, Dana Jamison. So I said to her, I go, Dana, can you please let me know why Don called me? And she goes, okay, I'll find out. I called her, I didn't get a response. So I called her again the next day. I said, Dana, do you know why Don called me? She goes, I spoke to him. He doesn't remember talking to you. He doesn't remember calling you. Wow. She goes, so I don't, I don't know. I said, okay, well, let Don know if there's any business, anything he wants to do, give me a call anytime. And we kind of left it there. So I don't know if maybe Don hadn't taken his medication that morning or something, but I'll never forget that call. It was great to get a little bit of Don King wackiness. I, I do, I do got to say though, the one thing that kind of shocks me with Don is he owns half the property in Florida, but he's been wearing the same jean jacket for like 50 years. Loyal to the jean jacket, Mike. He likes it. I, 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 I love it too, but you'd think he would have got a new custom one made. Maybe you can put him onto Jack London, Mike. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Who knows? He'll probably end up. He'll he'll end up with owning shares of the stores, taking all the merchandise, everything. You know, Don even at what he's in now, like eighty six, eighty seven, something like that. Whatever age he is, I still think he's crafty enough to outwit anybody. So he's just dropped off the face of the boxing scene. Would yeah, he? He's he, still, well, he's, he's still got Trevor Bryan, mm. WBA regular heavyweight champion. Don always finds a way to stay relevant but you know and pe people say it in the industry and it's true the difference between king and aram was that aram adjusted in the digital age aram knew when he needed to start delegating and put other people in positions of power whereas don kind of always held on to the power mm. never placed full faith or trust in say his vp or his delegates within his staff and it's reflected in recent years can't leave you. I gotta leave it there. I got nothing else to uh, ask after a donking finish <laughs> like that. Big finish. Anything you want to add, Mike? You uh, you got the MJ Platinum. Follow that for everything MJA. Yeah, and if you anyone wants to follow me on Twitter or on Instagram, MJL Tamura. And if you want to hit me up on Facebook, Michael Tamura, send me a friend request. Uh, I'm pretty friendly, I think, Sam. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, you pass just just in case. Ju ju just yeah. pass. You, you're lucky. You're not added to the ban list. <laughs> what are you? What is the number one thing you are most looking forward to in, within in the next year, or hoping? Boxing wise, mm. Fury Wilder. Fury Wilder. Yeah. And you uh, think that's in, you've you've kind of got a little bit of an inside running there. Is that would that happen before the end of the year? They keep winning. No, next year. Early next, next year. Yep. As long as they keep winning, it will definitely happen. So I'm, I'm excited for that. The other one, and, and this got no involvement with either guy, but after yesterday, I think Callum Smith versus Canelo would be a hell of a fight. It's mm -hmm. one I really look forward to. And it's there's a great narrative to sell because Canelo stopped his brother, Liam Smith. So you know that Callum's going to be gunning for revenge too. And I think that he's got the kind of technical prowess that could really challenge Canelo at the highest level. And is that uh, this year? Can I, can I like Callum, hopefully? Hopefully. Maybe not this year. Maybe next year. But hopefully this year. For all the belts? He's pretty much got them all. Pretty much, yeah. Mm. Pretty much. Um, and in my stable this year, yep. 
look out for unification, IBF, WBC, flyweight world title, Maruti Matalani from South Africa against Charlie Edwards from the UK. It'll be a cracking fight. We'll keep an eye out for him, Mike. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Pleasure. It's always a pleasure. pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Exceptional People. For past episodes, please visit our website, exceptionalpeople.com.au. That's exceptionalpeople.com.au. On our website, you'll find links to iTunes where you can subscribe to the show as well as leave feedback. For Android users, there is also a link to Stitcher Radio and also a link to our Exceptional People Facebook page. You can find all those links as well as past episodes when you go to our website, exceptionalpeople.com.au. Thanks once again and bye for now.